This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Learn from our guests who have found success through adverse circumstances, featuring guest celebrities, experts, and everyday people who discuss overcoming addiction and mental health issues to live a purposeful life. Your host, Jason, alcoholic, also struggle with some mental health issues, depression, anxiety. My co-host over there, Uncle Mikey. Yeah, I got uh, the mental health thing on lock, bro. It's the shit. It's always there. And our guest, Die Manuel. Great guy. From Canada. That's right. Another wonderful Canadian on the show, eh? Awesome guy. He was facing his alcoholism, his drug abuse, and some other internal issues that were going to corrupt and destroy his family. Dai shares how he got out of that and turned his life around to live uh, purposeful. And he got the look. He got the look from his significant other that was like, oh, fuck. I need to stop. Yep. We all know. We've heard it before. (laughs) We've heard it before. And we thank you guys for listening on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify, where you can rate us now. Also on Google Podcast, iHeart. We are wherever you get podcasts. Of course, subscribe where you're listening now. Don't forget our YouTube premium channel if you want to watch the videos completely unedited, commercial free. And you can get that link in the podcast description. And we thank our sponsor, 5150LTM, swagging us out. We got hats, shirts, sweatshirts. I got some cool sweatpants camouflage because i dig camo mikey you know this there a promo code for it there is a promo code if you uh, use kdd20 you can get 20 percent off your purchase any and every time you purchase from 5150 ltm what is it kdd20 sick you know there's so many different interesting things to talk about but the me thing you want to jump into was you know and you've really put it out there in 2010 you made a monumental decision and that was alcohol gone why was it what was going on in life i mean you were a dad already at this point married yeah I, yeah, yeah well you know uh, let's go down memory lane uh yeah yeah i mean like coming to the decision to to, to just say no to alcohol and say yes to the life i wanted you know it, it took a while to get there you know, like, cause it's one thing to say that you want things to change, but you know, just saying it and not following it up with actions and, oh, we, we, we know <laughs> where that can lead us. And uh, for me at that point in time in my life, you know, both my kids were under the age of six and uh, six and four, almost seven and five. And uh, I have two daughters, two daughters, Chardonnay mm-hmm. and Brie. Uh, yeah. Wine and cheese. In case I was going to say, <laughs> that's a hell of a name for a recovering alcoholic. I know, but that was before, right? My so, son, uh, Jack Daniels and uh, Johnny Walker. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Seriously. I know. I know. But wine and cheese. And, um, and I've been, you know, dating my wife now 22 years. Uh, nice. So at that point in time, we had been together 10 years and, mm-hmm. You know, life was interesting. You know, I was my twenties. I, I learned, well, I learned how to mask a lot of my social anxiety with alcohol. Bottom sure. line, you know, when I would drink, even just a couple drinks, I, I would shift. My energy would completely change. Yep. I'd be more gregarious, more outgoing, more energetic. I guess uh, just because, also, you, you know, what it's like you start drinking. It's just like. It is, as they call liquid courage, as this cliche Mm -hmm. goes. It was very much that for me. So it was my way of escaping. Mm -hmm. But over time, it started to turn into more than just escapism. It turned into me just ignoring certain emotions in my life and trying to avoid them entirely, you know, and uh, it just was so easy. I mean, it was a lot easier to to, to uncork a bottle or, 
you know, pop a cap. And, and that was just, it was easy. And it became just my habit mm-hmm. and life didn't get easier. The more I drank, like I like to pretend that it did. And, um, <laughs> Don't we all? Well, seriously. Right. Like it's, oh, it was just, it was so simple, but also when I think back, you know, my association at the time, yeah, like, cause I'm a big believer in role models, you know, but also sure. mentorship. I'm a big believer, like from a business standpoint, it's what it allowed me to be successful in the businesses that I've done is based on those two principles. And yet when I look at my social interactions and my social connections at that time, my, my sphere of influence, the habits that I was doing over and over again were being role modeled by my circle. Like, I didn't know there was any other way to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and I, it's, it's interesting, right? When you really start to pay attention to, to the people that we call our closest friends. Yeah. And because well, we all start adopting the same beliefs and we reinforce those beliefs. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy, right? And I can, I feel you 100% on that. Was it just, was it just within friends choosing? Was it family as well that this was kind of a thing? I know for some people, you know, Hey, families get together and it's a holiday. Oh, well, we crack a few bottles of wine or whatever. Was it, or was it just the people you were seeking out and connected to? Cause I know you talk a lot about, um, being in the wrong place at the wrong time that people just say, Oh, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time with that, with, with taking away that we have the power of choice. We get to choose our actions and environments. You're spot on. And, and you now if I, if I go back, like it, it got to a point where the alcohol use, like I'd have a few drinks with my buddies and it would often lead to cocaine, you know, to, to couple bumps of rail here and there, you know, and, and that would also lead because I, I, I completely changed my demeanor. All my values that I said were important to me, the kind of person that I believed that I was and I was acting as uh, that guy went away somewhere. <laughs> he got locked away and I was completely different, you know, and prom- promiscuous, you know, I cheated on my wife a lot and I'm, I, I still feel shame and, and guilt around that. You know, cause I wasn't role modeling, the kind of person that I'd want my own daughters to potentially wed, you know, like when I, you know, I'm going to cut to the point here, guys. Like it was so hard. I remember that day I I went out, had an all nighter, ignored my wife's texts and and even her pleads to come home, you know, like just turn off the phone. I still don't even remember how I got home that night. I have no idea, no idea, but I woke up on the floor that morning and it was like 11 a.m. It was pretty late in the morning. Family's awake downstairs. And uh, my wife's unloading the dishwasher. I, I knew this clearly because it's all I could hear with the dishes clanging. So as I say, she was unloading the dishwasher with a lot of passion and fervor. <laughs> you know, like Every dish was clanging. It was like, I, I know she was trying to get my attention, get me to wake up, right? I made it down there. And when I locked eyes with her, like it, it was the craziest thing. Because, you know, at this point, we've been together 10 years. Yeah. You get to know each other really well, you know, dreams, ambitions, goals, but you also know how to push each other's buttons. <laughs> and, but she was always someone that, you know, we can have fun together. We've always had fun together. And uh, at that moment, the way she looked at me, she'd never looked at me that way before. And it was like this, this complete disdain, like just like disdain, disgust, like just, like it was basically like, I'm done. Yeah. And for those of us that have been in a romantic relationship where we've had, you know, the best of love, and then all of a sudden when that love disappears and you're left with a lot of 
other maybe negative emotions in its place, it felt like that's what I was experiencing right then and there. And, and so we sat down and we started talking and, and she was just like putting the hammer down, you know, like this is not an environment to raise our kids in. And, and, you know, to be fair, I was the first idea of what a man is to my kids. Now I recognize I'm a man who identifies as a man. So I'm talking from that perspective, but sure. mm-hmm. my, my daughters, whatever orientation they decide, wherever, you know, I, I just want them to be great human beings. And, sure. and, and that's the conversation I'm talking right now. But, it, it, you know, I was their first idea of what a man is what a dad is, what a husband is, what a brother is, what an entrepreneur is, you know, like that's who I was role modeling to them. But the behaviors I was role modeling, I would never want them to adopt, nor would I want them to have a partner in their life that was modeling what I was doing. But I didn't see that guys. I I didn't see that because I was so clouded by everything else I was doing and my own grief and and just complete disregard with my own life, you know? And, um, my wife sat me down, you know, and, and, you know, by this point, there's tears on both sides and the kids are still watching Dora the Explorer on the TV in the room. And, uh, Good show. Yeah, yeah. Back, 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 back. Um, <laughs> you know, there's going to be people writing in now, God dang it. You know, I, I'm not going to get that song out of my head. But she looked at me and she asked me a question. And, and this is the question I really hammer home for anybody that might be relating to what I'm sharing right now. Because you know, there's very few questions in our life that when we're asked it, everything can change in a moment. And, and this is the question. Die. Are you being the kind, the kind of man that you'd want your daughters to marry? That question, just for some reason, that day at that time, based on those conditions, like I just, I woke up. Wow. I was like, just instantaneously, I felt like I got punched in the nose and kicked in the nuts at the same time. You know, like it was just, oh, no, I'm not. Because I couldn't honestly answer to her. It didn't matter how much good I was doing when I was sober. Because what I was doing when I wasn't sober far outweighed any of the good that I had done. And it really ultimately dismissed it. Yeah. Because it was my way of trying to make up for the things I already knew I was going to do bad. Well, it seems, uh, tell me maybe your stance and what your wife shared with you. I know for me that people is just like, ah, the good just seems like a bunch of bullshit because yeah. it's disingenuous. That's right. That my, my wife got to that point, you know, because she, she saw me and she fell in love with a guy that, you know, a certain individual, a certain person. And, and you know, and that's who I believed I was and who I believed I was still becoming. Uh, but I wasn't 100% true on that. Sure. Because I wasn't really willing to do the work to truly get rid of some of those habits and, and, you know, underlying beliefs. And, and you know what, if I really got down to it, I just didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. I, so I think me, that's, that's where it was, you know, let me ask you this. So this has been going on for 10 years when you got the look, which is very common. Cause we've talked yeah. to past guests, Kelly Osborne got the yeah. look from her. <laughs> yeah. She was telling us about that look where she knew yeah. it was like, okay, fuck. But so this had been going on for 10 years. What, and that's obviously, I'm assuming, not the first time that's happened. Not necessarily oh, the look, but you stumbling in, not remembering how you get home because, yeah. you know, we've all partied. That's happened many of times. Still yeah. to this day, I don't remember 19 <laughs> through 24 years old. That's all a blur to me. Um, what was a normal morning like waking up the days uh, previous to that? Well, I'm an early riser and it didn't matter how much I would do or how late I'd stay up. I, I just was hardwired to wake up early, typically, you know, that. Oh, morning, so you're one of those so. who never got the hangover kind. <laughs> well, 
when I was younger, I was resilient enough that I'd bounce back and I could get through a hangover pretty quickly. Sure. And, and I think it was the only saving grace that I really had was that I did have actually from outside looking in, I had a really healthy lifestyle. Right. Sure. Right. Except for when I didn't, you know, and, and that mm-hmm. was a part of me that I kept sheltered. And there's only a select group of people that would see that. Yeah. And so I was, it, it felt like living a double life. Right. And, gotcha. uh, but my wife, you know, she used to always criticize. She's like, you know, everybody else gets the best of you. You know, and unfortunately, we're left with the remnants. And, and she was correct because, you know, speaking to what you were just saying, you know, I'd get up in the mornings. If it was during a, like a work day, I'd be off before the kids were even awake or she'd be awake. Like I, mm-hmm. That's how early I just get out and go to my day and get started. And but then on days when I wasn't having that commitment. Even though I might get up early, I wasn't present for my family. Right. I, I was distracted. I was, uh, you know, just, I wasn't present. I wasn't there. I wasn't there emotionally, uh, psychologically, spiritually. Even. I was there physically. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was about the only thing I was taking up space, but yeah. just like an autopilot. It, it was. And, and not even like, I was like auto park, you know, like just mm-hmm. parks, I park mm-hmm. on the couch and put on the TV and I'd be like, Oh, Hey kids want to watch another movie. I'll put on a movie. You know, I was like, I was dadding or parenting through, through, screens right mm-hmm. and uh using that as a way to, to sort of just pass the time yeah. yeah and uh oh gosh man it was so hard you know and so when she asked that question i i just and i hate this but it's i know it's a pun but i i got you know it was a very sobering question okay like it was instantly in that moment where i was like yeah no i'm not being that guy and i want to be that guy like deep down i knew that's who i wanted to be I knew I had that potential in me. And so I made a commitment to my family, like literally right then there, you know, (laughs) to Christy and it was like, this is my last ditch effort, right? Like this is it. And I knew that if I don't follow through on this commitment, she's going to take the kids and we're going to have to figure out some other creative way to be co-parenting these kids. And I didn't want that. I really didn't want that. You know, it's that's because I love my wife. I absolutely adore her, you know, and, and I envision my life being with her and, and so all of a sudden this was becoming very real that that vision and this thing that I wanted and I, you know, really was this path that I was going down. It, it, this is not going that direction anymore. And I sat them down and I said, you know, I, I'm going to go one year and I'm not going to drink one year because that's all I was willing to commit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can just approve. I, I can do without alcohol for a year. And because I've done stints before, you, you guys know how that sure. goes. Because oh, never that. again sounds so <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds so forever. It does, right? So does. I understand the one-year logic. I get yeah. it. Yeah. And I was giving myself a back door. And, and also in the past, I was just like, I can show you. I, I, it's got no influence over me. I can do with it or without it. Right. But I realized really quickly, you know, after about a month in, Cause I, I started to share that with certain people that I'd made this commitment to go one year without drinking. So, cause I was still getting the invitations to go show up. Everybody liked fun guy die. Oh and yeah. That was it. I'd get the invites all the time to go. Cause I, you know, I know we'd have fun and it'd be entertaining and whatever. And uh, I started to, to show up sometimes. <laughs> We're going to UFC one night with, uh, with the boys and uh, I'm not drinking, you know, couple fights in, you know, the conversation, I just really realized I was like, holy smokes, I can't connect with these guys. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to go deeper with the conversation. I want to talk about some other stuff, but that was not going to happen. 
especially not in that situation. And so I, I started to really question my association. I was started like, oh my gosh, well, who can I talk to about this stuff? And I realized I didn't really have anybody. And, and so I was barely functioning. You know, I wanted to drink. I wanted to just fuck this. Like yeah. this is way too much work. The other way is so much easier and mm-hmm. maybe not as fulfilling, but was easier. easier right. And uh, so that's sort of where it began. And then I realized I needed help. I found a psychologist. I oh. went to some meetings. <laughs> we got a relationships counselor. So if you work on our communication, two meetings in, you know, two second session, she's like, Christy, I think it's better if guy comes back on his own. And, and uh, you know, and I was like, well, that's so much for couples therapy. You know, <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. On this <laughs> <laughs> More with Die Manual coming up, including those random questions. And Die leaves us with the final thoughts. So uh, stick around. Are you having something preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness? Well, check out BetterHelp.com slash listener. That's BetterHelp.com slash listener. BetterHelp assists you with matching your own licensed professional therapist. Here's some great things about BetterHelp. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Plus, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and it's free to change counselors if you need. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. It's all confidential. And you can check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. It is not a crisis line. It's help. Better help. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com listener. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash listener. A proud sponsor of the Knocking Doors Down podcast. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Well, it's interesting you bring that up uh, because you <laughs> talked about the masking of different emotions. It wasn't just you know, that avoidance. And that really stuck with me when you said that just a few minutes back. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. I know that. It's hard, right? What, like was, it's hard. It you, what was it that you were avoiding though? Well, a lot of stuff, you know, after I started to work with a psychologist and actually open up on the, some of these conversations, because I, I didn't have any resources or internal understanding of how to even start to explore some of these feelings that I had. I, I had no point of reference. You got to recognize up to that point in my life, you know, first 30 years of my life. I mean, a lot of the guys that I would hang out with, I mean, we like to have fun. We, we'd smoke, we drank, you know, we'd work hard, but we'd party harder. And that was just, that was just the way we operated. 
And I didn't know anything else, but the conversations never really went deep. They never actually went to us sharing, you know, what are we really struggling with right now? Yeah. And, and so what would happen is I'd often feel like no one understands me. No one will get me. No one knows what I'm working through or what the challenges I have. I, I really started like I isolate. Yeah. It's like I'm on my own island. So I'm not going to talk about my problems because no one will understand me anyways. And they'll probably just judge me. This was my belief. Yeah. And all of a sudden I started to open up I, because I started to get, I was shown tools to start to explore some of the things that I was feeling. And some of the things that I was feeling was, am I even, am I adding value to other people's lives? I started questioning that. Am I a good dad? Am I a good man? My good husband? These are all things. And I didn't actually want to give myself the space to explore the answer. And so that brought up emotions. And those are a lot of the emotions I was trying to escape. It was more so fear, not understanding, feeling like I was failing in everything. So it was easier just to drink and mask it. Yeah. And acknowledge that there is something here that needs to change if I want to change it. And I, I just, I don't think I was ready to make a change. You know, do you, do you think there's a lot of that stigma still surrounding men. And I know that I felt it, but yeah. that we're supposed to be kind of hard wired to have this shield and, uh, you know, not let these things out and, and just yeah. deal with everything and let alone, okay, we'll go in and fix the problem. And there you go. Everything's good. I've done what I do as a man. I, I think that sits out there sometimes in the ethos of what it is to be a man. So I know personally, it's a hard shift to getting more in tune with my emotions, which boy, it's definitely helped that desire to not drink anymore. Yes. And, and, and that's, the key, right? Like as soon as you sort of clear your mind of these distractions or, or, you know, tools to avoid, to help us avoid things, right? As soon as you start to, to remove those, or at least put them aside, you know, things do come into focus pretty quickly, but it's usually focusing on the things that we're lacking. <laughs> you know, like that was what became front and center for me is like, I'm, I'm lacking in a lot of these areas and I feel like less than, you know, less value. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to that self-perception side of things. Like, who, who do we see when we look in the mirror? And right down to that very basic things. Like, do I, do I like me? <laughs> you know? And, and if I'm perfectly honest with you guys, I, I didn't like me outside of my professional life. Huh. I had a lot of great stuff going on. From the outside looking in, people would be like, wow, beautiful family. It looks like you have a great relationship. Like, yeah, I was very good at living an Instagram lifestyle. Sure. You know, highly curated highly curated. And, uh, I felt fake, mm. you know, and I didn't know how to, to really try to be who I wanted to be. Yeah. And that's a scary place. Like I, I, I talked to a lot of guys about this stuff and, you know, I, I eventually found other men that were feeling similarly and they wanted to create space where we can just share what's going on, what's raw and real for us right now, you know, like alive and real right now. And, and so I started connecting with other men that were open to those conversations, not, not for coaching, not, not for mentorship even, but actually for just listening and being heard. Yeah. I mean, it, when you think back guys to your, to your own experiences and those moments where, you know, maybe you weren't living as your best version and you think about some of the conversations, some of the actions that were happening, but you think about the association, like, was there, were we ever shown any other way of doing things? No. Right. No, most certainly not. Coming from a family of addiction, no. So 
that just raises a question. Well, when we find ourselves there, like, I mean, what do we do? Right? Like, how do we break that cycle? How do we get out of it? And, and I think each of us have similar stories, but different, right? Different experiences yeah. that led to that, different backgrounds that led to that. But at the end of the day, we're all wanting more. We're wanting more for ourselves. We want to actually live a life that allows us, as, as they say, follow our bliss. You know, if, if you're familiar with uh, Joseph Campbell, like he wrote The Hero's Journey. And uh, it's super interesting. We're all on this hero's journey, right? We're all on this path. And and we learn stuff. We're challenged by stuff. I mean, that's life. I mean, we, 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 we can't, you know, expect to live life without a challenge. I mean, they come at us and, and we work through them or we, we work around them <laughs> and, and we often, often adapt. I mean, this has been going on for millennia, you know, like human beings are very resilient, but man, we have a way of complicating things. And, <laughs> and, and it's wild, right? It's just wild when we start to really pay attention to the human condition. I mean, we're all born, we live a life. And at some point we leave mm-hmm. <laughs> where we go to on the next journey. I don't know. I mean, lots of people have different beliefs around that. I, I'm not here to talk about that, but I'm, you know, that space in between right now, what are we doing with that? You know, and, and I think sometimes we're running away from who we are, or at least who we have the potential of becoming. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I read something um, the other day when I was doing some journaling that popped and stuck in my head when I was trying to really reconcile the actions and why I was doing it. And it, and and the quote was people without purpose will seek pleasure. And if we we differentiate very much between joy and pleasure, you know, that's a big factor to people go, well, you know, sex is pleasurable. I'm like, yes, but if you are with someone that you have deep intimacy, joy is going to be the stronger thing over pleasure. And then, you know, I forget what buddy and he's like, oh, that's fucked, man. I'm like, no, it's awesome. Trust me. It's like it's no. not who you want to spend Saturday night with, but all day Sunday with. Yes. Oh. I can't. I didn't, I didn't make that up. That's from a movie. But I just oh, like the saying and it related. To that. that was so on point. That was awesome. That was so good. I like that one. What I'm going to get that tattooed from? on me. How did you start to do the? <laughs> oh, that's the next tattoo. That's that's the next tattoo. I don't know if you can see it. It's sleeves, neck, face. Uh, awesome. But so, how did you start to really find that joy and and sense of purpose? Because you really you spoke about that, like yeah. no self worth. We want to have purpose. All of us want to have purpose, and I think we're going to continue to butt into the same thing until we realize. And I know you've spoken about it that. What's the one commonality? Oh, it's us. We are the issue for how our life is going. It's, it is just crazy to think that we can pass the buck to somebody else when it comes to living our life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we are, are, are fortunate that we live in countries that do have a semblance of freedom. <laughs> Again, uh, depending on where your beliefs fall with this pandemic, it might not be 100% same anymore, but uh, <laughs> let's not go there today, boys. No. Uh, but- <laughs> well, now that we're here, who'd you vote for? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. I'm a that. Canuck. I voted for the guy with a nice hair. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, for those that know Justin Trudeau, so I always got a nice quaff going. Um, more of a playboy than anything else. But uh, anyways, I... Uh, uh, for me, you know, when I started to dive into this, this place of unknown, right? Like the unknown is intimidating, right? Like we are, we're intimidated by not knowing. I mean, look at what most fears are based around. Sure. You know, fear is based around just not knowing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's that mystery that we're afraid of. It's like, because there's the potential that something bad could happen, but there's also the potential something amazing could happen. Yeah. And so it's trying to remember that. And, uh, you know, when I started going down this path, getting some support, remember going to meetings, you know, I, I, I tried some 12 step programs and, and, you know, I, I found some solace in that, you know, from the standpoint, there was a community of people that were dealing with the same struggle. Sure. And that's where I recognized there's value. Uh, in community and connection with others that can empathize, but not necessarily sympathize, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I think, I, I mean, I never want someone to feel sympathy towards me. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want that. I don't like that emotion. Now, if you can empathize, if you can at least for a moment feel in your own body, what you think it must've felt like for me to feel a certain way or to be dealing with a certain struggle, then we come from a place of understanding. Yeah. And at least from a place of understanding, we can create conversation to get more clarity and, and to find the common ground and to figure out how we can help one another, support each other. And yeah. that's what I was lacking. And I didn't even have the language to describe that. So what, what do we do to start to, to grow and to learn some of these things that we know that, because really when it comes down to change, we have to ask ourselves the very first question. Anytime anybody wants to change anything, the first question that comes to mind, whether you consciously or subconsciously think about this is, Hey, can I do this? <laughs> can, can I actually do this thing and make this change? Like that's a daunting question, yeah. but it often relates to education, to learning, to knowledge, Agreed. You know, learning a different way of doing different things to produce different results. Like really, when you pull back the veil, that's all we're talking about here. Because if you can get clarity on what to do and you start to do it, you start to build confidence in yourself that, hey, I can actually do this thing. <laughs> that builds confidence. And once you have that confidence, the second question, and this is the question I really had to sit with, you know, because I got confident. I was like, hey, can I really do this? Can I live a life without alcohol? Like that's that's what I was asking myself is like, can I actually live a life? Cause I've just lived my first 32 years of my life with a lot of alcohol, <laughs> you know, like I made up for the first 16 years with the, the last 16, <laughs> you know, and double down. Um, and, and can I have a life without it? Can I learn to function without it? And at that point I didn't know. So that, can I do this? I was like, sheesh, I can't do it alone. Second question. So well, let's just say you get to a yes on that first question right? Like, yeah, I I can do this. I know I can make this change. The second question is like, okay, if I actually do this, is it going to (laughs) work? Right? Like, because we kind of want that guarantee, don't we? We want to know like, hey, if I do this, it's like getting a job, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to clock in for these hours. Well, I know I got a paycheck. that's going to be this amount. We kind of like that idea of I do this, I'll get this result. But but in life, (laughs) we can have the plan as much as we want the results don't always match the planning (laughs) and, and we have to be okay with that at times. And uh, so if I do this, will it work? This is where it was really valuable to seek out community because even though I didn't have that belief in myself, I got to meet other people that were further along on the change, this journey of change than I was. I could see how they were navigating those challenges. I could see how they've now created a beautiful life or, or, or rekindled a relationship or, you know, reignited their business even, you know, cause even mine, I was bringing a lot of my stuff. This is when I knew I really had a challenge was when I started bringing it to work with me. There was always that separation, but it started to affect my production at work, how I was leading my company. And, you know, it's a slippery slope when you start to become really aware of that. 
And uh, so there's question two, you know, like first, can I do this? You get a yes. Two is like, okay, if I do this, will it work? Now it's question three. Is it worth it? And, you know, if we're talking about an organization or a nonprofit or a team environment, sure, we can use it. But what I needed to do was look in the mirror and say, hey, am I worth the change? Is my life worth the change? That question is not easy to answer, especially if you're coming from a place where you already feel like you have no value to offer. Yeah. That's where things are really tricky. I'll be honest with you, you know, because I, I, I would say that, yeah, I'm worth it. But I didn't believe it. Again, it's where community as well as having the ability to share what I was experiencing and actually ask for support and help, I realized who my true friends were. I realized who are the people I wanted to have in my life more. And the only thing that was limiting them being in my life more was me not allowing them in. And so those are those three questions, you know, like those three alone, uh, for anybody that wants to navigate change, just start exploring what those answers are for you. And then try to find a community of people that can support you with those. At least the changes are the sorry, things that you have to learn. Oh, sorry. shut up, Siri. Anytime I, sometimes I, I slur with my S's and Siri starts talking at me. So sorry. <laughs> she had a lot to say about that too. She goes, you know what? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's my you point. Questions. You know, it's those three questions and, and, yeah. and community. And, and that's really how I started to navigate the change. And there wasn't a straight line, guys. It was the furthest thing from a straight line. It was a lot of zigzagging back and forth, going backwards, going forwards, like such is life. Um, yeah. But the one constant throughout the entire thing was I'm learning how to do this without alcohol. Yeah. And it was well, very I mean, empowering. It was. It was empowering. Yeah. Well, you bring up too about about then when we choose our circles and and boundary settings, a big part of that. What yes. was that process like for you? I've gone through it, it, you know, I really pretty hardcore. What would you say? Like the last nine months where that's been a big theme for me. Um, so I just really would appreciate that knowledge. Cause sometimes I don't think people understand just cause you care about someone deeply doesn't mean that they have a place in your life. Well said, and you're right. You know, it's, um, boundaries are often like I, I found as soon as I got clear on my values, like what was truly most important to me, like, and that was family. It, it was also, uh, you know, when I say faith, it was really just how am I seeking purpose and fulfillment in my life? That's what I mean by faith. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, I want to leave this planet better than it was when I got here. Like that's, you know, the people like within it and all that. Like that, that's when I refer to faith, that's sort of what I'm referring to. Even finances, more so from the value that it gave me the freedom you know, when I actually looked at the financial stresses in my life and I was like, I don't want to have those stresses and what, how do I have to live life or what are the changes I have to make? Because often, you know, I, I spent a lot of money on alcohol. I spent a lot of, I was also like the guy that would try to be cool. Oh, I'll throw down my card. I'll let me get the next few rounds. Yeah. Like stupid. Right. And, and, Fuck that. and oh my gosh, well, but it was brutal. Like, so I had credit card debt that I'd built up that otherwise wouldn't have been there, but me mm -hmm. thinking that here I am and these are all my friends, but it was interesting because when I stopped going out and stopped, because I did, I, that was one of the things I had to change was like, I, I just, I can't be anywhere where I can't go anywhere where my values can't be honored, mm. but also places where I, I, I don't feel I'm getting any value from it. 
right. based on the direction and the goals that I had for myself, you know, wanting to create this life and get reconnected with my life, but also the people in it and, and start to feel more fulfilled on, on, on purpose. And I recognize going to the pub, I wasn't going to help me with that. Mm-hmm. You know, golfing with the guys was great, but I wasn't going to stay for the 19th. You know, mm-hmm. like just these little subtle things I was like, started to say no to. But then I also had to say, well, okay, if I'm saying no to that, I've opened up the space here to say yes to some other things. What are those things that I want to fill it with? Who do I want to fill it with? And that's where I really started to seek out different association. I, 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 I joined Toastmasters community many, many years ago, right around the same time I was making these changes because I knew that the social anxiety piece that I feel, if I don't deal with that, giving up the alcohol is going to be really tough mm-hmm. because it was my way of masking my anxiety was with a few drinks, you know, like even to the point where, you know, I do a big presentation. I might have a drink or two just because it would loosen me up and make me feel more comfortable speaking in front of a group. Yeah. Well, now I'm taking away the, the, the that, <laughs> you know, the alcohol. I'm like, Oh, what am I going to do now? I'm not gonna be able to do that stuff. And I was like, wow, no, that's not the kind of life I want to lead. So I found a community that can help me with that. Toastmasters is an example. So that's just one of the things that I found was really instrumental. But I mean, you talked about the last nine months is what you've been doing. Like, what have you been doing? Like, what, what has been your, like, I find that when we find something that works, and what I mean works, it, it's, it just feels right. You know, we start to do something that feels right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, and I'm wondering what feels right for you over the last nine months, you know, based on what we're talking about right now. I think it was bringing up, like I said before, of things of, of uh, purpose over pleasure. Yeah. And really, without even thinking about it, you saying it is, is a totally different value set and what I want out of my life. And some people, it's just like, I'm not going to exactly, I'm not going to go sit with you and have a mocktail while you get shit housed. I'm just not going to do yes. it. And you yeah. slur on and on. But if you want to sit and you want to, I, I, I want to have, bring some value. And have some value where it's it's reciprocal and you know these things go back and forth and so it's just really an example of like okay this person was an ex well that was a toxic relationship why would i think it's going to be a a non-toxic friendship oh wait and mikey even like what the fuck are you doing uh like oh that's still a toxic friendship yeah i'm done thank you i wish you the best goodbye that and just that simple Uh, as saying it did it hurt yeah, it hurt me. It made me sad, but I started to see the interaction for what it was, who that person was, who I was to that person. It's like, there's no point here. We, we don't have the time to reconcile to create a friendship. The best thing we can do is I'll heal, you go, and you have a great life. I wish you the best, and I mean it sincerely. You know, so things, things along those lines and really just, yeah, overall identifying certain things. Like I have boundaries. I have friends, family members, if they call and it's like, I can tell you're drinking. I'm not going to talk to you. Have a good night. I just don't. I'm not going to because for me, it's a trigger and I'm not the dick. You're the dick that knows it. And you're going to call me and give me a hard time. I don't fucking think so. So it's those things like that and really focusing a lot on my, my kids, my relationship, my work, and I feel more fulfilled. I'm still doing a lot of that work of getting that more purpose. Like there's more we can do. The day should be more full, you know? I like that you said that word too, that, the idea about full. Um, just something to throw out there for everybody that's that's listening or watching this, you know, is if you catch yourself wearing the badge of honor that says busy on it, start asking yourself, why do we wear that badge so much? You know, like I, that was my 
like I believe that if I just kept saying I was busy and acting as busy, it would justify my actions. Mm-hmm. And I started to shift things. You know, my wife and I, many, many years ago, while this was all going on, you know, it was like, you know what? We chose not to be busy anymore, but we chose to, to be full. Mm-hmm. We chose to fill our life with the things that add value to us, but also provides value to others. And so that distinction of going from busy, 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 stress, 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 overwhelm, 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 to now, no, life is full, but it's full of the things that we want, you know? And that was huge, you know, because that had to align with our values as well. Because sometimes we say we have certain values, but actually exercising those boundaries are challenging. It's hard, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it just it just is. So we started to manage our commitments, I started to manage my commitments. Um, so, you know, from the standpoint that I would only commit to things that I knew was in alignment with, with the life I wanted to live. And, and anything else outside of that, I'm like, you know what? I just got really comfortable saying no. And here's the thing about no. No, period. That's a complete sentence. I didn't believe that initially. I, I thought no, and then I have to give an excuse why. Mm-hmm. Or a reason why. I have to justify why I'm saying no. And I started to realize I don't need to justify my choices. You know, like, no, it's a no. It's not a fit for me. Or I don't want to do that. Like, it's because it's not a fit. This is not something that is of value to me. And, and it was tough at first. I, I got to be honest, guys. You know, there, there were some people that would take offense to that kind of a response. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do. And I'm like, but I asked those people, like, why are you so triggered by me just saying, no, I don't want to come to that because it's not in alignment with what my values are. Like, what's your problem with that? Like, you shouldn't have a problem. I just said no. Like, mm-hmm. but if they push, I tell them why. And that's usually the answer I give. I'm like, it's not in alignment with what I want in my life. I'm sorry, but it's just not a fit. Yeah. Like, the sorry part there is because I'm Canadian. Okay. So uh, <laughs> you don't have you to apologize. Born for nice. <laughs> what? You're just born nice yeah. as a Canadian. <laughs> uh, that or naive, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, but you know, it, it's, it's not it, guys, it's not easy. And I, I want those that, that, that are listening or watching, you know, like I, I know this, what we're talking about, it's not easy. Change isn't easy, mm-hmm. but Every time I've made a change that I knew gut deep down, you know, that instinct, we all have a, a gut feel. We, we do. I mean, we might get really good at ignoring it, but it's there. We, we tend to know when things are right or, or in alignment with what we want. So it's being able to get back to trusting that feeling. Yeah. And I found it was a lot easier to trust it when I was sober, <laughs> you know, and uh, of, of clear mind, especially. Yeah. And then learning to exercise our boundaries. And if you don't have people in your network that will honor those boundaries, you have to start to ask yourself, well, where's this relationship stemmed from? Mm-hmm. You know, because I started to retrace some of my relationships and ask myself, well, the way this relationship formed was actually under completely different pretenses. Mm-hmm. You know, we met at a bar, we met at a club, you know, we met at a, a, an event or a party and we were partying together. And so it's all of a sudden you become party friends. Yeah. Right. We have lots of those. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I realized, well, I, I, outside of the party, there was nothing in common. It wasn't the kind of person I would call up and say, Hey, do you want to hang out on a Sunday? Sort of to, to play to what Mikey said, you know, like yeah. it, right? just, it just, it wasn't. And, and so I started questioning my, my choices and, and why am I doing this? Like it, it's, I feel like I'm going around in circles now, but it, it really, it just, it's, it's that value piece and understanding that we all have value to offer. And, and, you know, I'll sort of close with this because I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because I already heard you guys sort of allude to this. 
you know, after about two years in on this, this change, you know, cause it got to the end of that one year and I was like, you know what, I've had so much growth. I've seen so many things get better. Like my, my, my quality, my relationships, even my own health, right? Mm-hmm. Like I started finding, man, I, I, I actually sleep really well. I get up in the morning, I feel rested. You know, I, I feel more in focus, more in flow because I don't have the alcohol and the hangovers anymore. <laughs> and so I started noticing just all these things, but also some of the relationships that I was starting to form, they were like, I felt really fulfilled from those relationships. And so now I started to feel really good about me. I, and in a way, you know, you hear the, the analogy of, of thinking about ourselves as a cup, right? And, and we want to fill up our own cup. You know, because a lot of us like to give and help and that's awesome, but sometimes we give too much mm-hmm. or we give more than we are taking in and that creates this imbalance and, and that can lead to a lot of other uh, potential negative repercussions. But so it's this idea of trying to fill your cup before you fill others. And it's okay to be selfish that way, you know, because if you're not in your best place, you can't offer your best to others. And, and so I really started to grasp that. So the first year was really all about me and me getting well. Now I got into year two and I felt this surge to want to help others. So I started looking at my contribution. That is where things shifted into now a lifestyle because now I wanted to help others. I wanted to support others. I wanted to connect deeper with others, but I wanted people that shared similar values and wanted similar things in life that I did. And could I offer and contribute to that? Because when we start to contribute and support others, whew, I, I don't know. It just it wasn't even like I was missing anything anymore. Like, it was just like, no, I, I just, it wasn't even a thought. You know, it was just, that was something I used to do. I don't do that anymore. This is what I do now. And, and so I'm wondering how, as contribution played into th- this piece of, of maintaining not only sobriety, but really just choosing to live your life without the distractions, Right. Yeah, well, and you nailed it right there without the distractions. And don't forget to uh, check out Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira, the book that inspired the podcast. Not only does he get into how he fell into his drug addiction, but the work that he did to get out of it and what he did in his sobriety, including starting the Carlos Vieira Foundation, going stock car racing, and so much more. So check it out. 100% of the proceeds go back to the Carlos Vieira Foundation. The link is in the podcast description, and you can find out more about the three great programs, the Race to Be Drug-Free, Race to End the Stigma, and Race for Autism that Carlos started when he sought his sobriety. 100% of all the proceeds go back to the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Yeah, you know, I, I, I know for me, I don't... I'm don't want to speak for you, but when we've had people reach out that, Hey, you know what you guys are doing it. I I heard someone and now I see that I have a problem. I'm seeking help. Or we've had situations where you've talked with people that are, were struggling at the time and connected them with, with treatment facilities Mm -hmm. and and mental health care facilities, you know? So I don't know that we set out thinking that that would happen, but now when it does, it's like, wow, there's, something going on that's that's bigger than us yeah. that, that does yes. mean something to people because for me i this is all of our conversations i've joked like god i got so much out of that i hope other people do you know so um it's weird how that can work i what was it kobe Bryant who said uh, the selfishly unselfish hmm. when he was talking about rest in peace mamba yeah, when he was talking about why he had to have the work ethic that he did, and it made me what you were saying think of that, because then it allowed them to be there for everyone else. 
because he knew he was solid. His cup was full. He didn't look for anyone else to fill it, you mm-hmm. know, which is such a toxic thing to do. That's a big reason for boundaries that I've got now. That I, uh, so, you know, I, I just, I hope I answered your question. You I did. No, because I already kind of knew the answer because this podcast is a prime example and the conversations you're leading online is a prime example of contribution. You know, it's, it, it is recognizing there's so much more than just us as one mm-hmm. and, and wanting to be able to support others that might be dealing with similar struggles. And, and this is the super interesting thing when you really dive into like the hero's journey. And you go back through, through, you know, for as long as we've been telling stories, articulating stories, there's usually always a hero in the story, right? But we see ourselves as the heroes in our own story. And so there's these parallels in, in these beautiful fables and stories. And we can often, and, and we talked before we hit record today, right? We started recording. We're talking about superheroes. Like behind me here, I got, you know, a Captain America poster and some Marvel posters. And I got a Superman one right here in front of me. And I love those stories because they're not perfect people. Yeah. They're often flawed. The biggest heroes are. Mm-hmm. And that's so much like real life, but yet they still persevere and they still battle through those challenges. And they often come at the other side with deep learning and understanding. But there's always this idea of wanting to go back to where we began to help others. And we see this repeated in stories all the time. So there's something to that contribution piece, that fulfillment piece. And, and it's, it's wonderful because when you really start to embrace that, like th- that's where things really started to pivot for me, like completely changed like, to the point where I left a career of 17 years Yeah. because all of a sudden my world of potential that I used to believe was like, you know, quite narrow. It just, it blew up. There was no more uh, blinders on, you know, like I could see, and I could see this massive landscape in front of me. And I, I was like, I want to go explore that yeah. because me as a person had changed and had grown so much by leaving behind the crutch leaving behind the distractions and getting really clear on what I want and not being afraid to articulate, Hey, can you help me with this? And ask people, you know, for help. And man, there's so many people out there that are willing to help because they're feeling the same way that we are wanting to add contribution, wanting to support others, wanting to help others. And man, anyways, I get excited talking about this stuff, but uh, that's good. It's what, what's what I just keep thinking about. And that's what you guys are doing, man. You guys are superheroes and I love it. I love it. Sweet. Appreciate you. Captain Colored Hair. I don't know what the hell I'd be called. I don't know what I'd be called either. <laughs> Tattoo Man. Uh, no, and I want to ask you, because you talked early on, um, uncertainty people need to understand is such an important part of life and embracing it and being cool with it because, yeah, not only did you leave your job, but your wife left her job and you basically took the, the girls and went on like holiday for like seven years or something, right? We well, so yeah, not holiday <laughs> so, per se, but well, it, it, we we started to so as we started to change. My wife has always been someone that is is not only a dreamer and a visionary, but she's just someone that's not afraid to go after what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired. I was always inspired. That's what actually attracted me to her to begin with. You know, is that she was somebody that was very determined. She she just happened. I met her at the right time. You know, she was back from a, a trip abroad, like through Southeast Asia and Australia, she was back to basically replenish the coffer so she could go do it again. So I happened to meet her in between those two travel junctions and uh, we hit it off and, and that's where the relationship started. And I, w- I was always just inspired by that, you know, just her, her ability to just be so independent and, and to, to just go after and experience life fully. And, and without all the, the the stuff that I normally would fill it with, you know, <laughs> and um 
so fast forward, you know, many, many years, and now we have kids together, like, she still had the, the desire to live a life that was different, live a life that was focused on on experiences and collecting of experiences, not collecting of stuff or things. And I admire that. And, and as I had started to really shift my perspective, because I, you know, you get rid of the crutch, like I said earlier, my perspective opened up what I believed was possible now changed. I, I started to believe a lot more was possible in my life. And so with that, she was dripping on me. She was like saying, Hey, like, here's, cause I was like, I'm a career guy. Like I I've got this company I helped co-found. There's no way I'm leaving this. You know, things are good. Life is good. Why would I want to leave this? Like, I just thought like, I'm here forever. Like this is my path. Sure. And uh, I started questioning that. I was like, started to not feel very fulfilled with the work I was doing anymore. I wanted more. Fortunately for me, I've started doing stuff online just to add value, to create conversations, to support people, creating content that helps. And so all of a sudden, one day we got to this point where I'm like, I really don't want to do this anymore. And she got really excited. She's like, awesome. (laughs) You know, here's some things that we could possibly do. She started sending me podcasts of traveling families, these full-time families that are experiencing the world together. I'm like, yeah, right. We can't do that. And she's like, why not? I'm like, oh, that's actually a good question. Why not? <laughs> you know? And I started to explore, well, what could that look like? And uh, long and short of it, you know, from the time that I, I gave notice at my career, you know, I, I gave them almost a year and a half notice. Like it was because I was in an integral part of the business and I knew it, you know, to be leaving on a good note. I wanted to make sure it was set up so I could leave and walk away and everything would be okay. And uh, I realized early on that, I really believed I offered more value than I was uh, from the standpoint that as soon as I left, I mean, nothing happened and uh, the business just kept operating. And, you know, so my ego was like, Fuck, oh, get rid of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm really not that important. And, uh, and which was a good lesson for me, you know, cause I used to live in the ego a lot. And I was like, you know, forget that. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't need that anymore. And um, so anyways, we, 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 that's it. I, I quit my career, gave my notice. We eventually got to the end of that term. As soon as we got to the term, she then gave her notice. So a month later, she was out of her job. Within two months after that, we got rid of pretty much everything, sold what we could, put some stuff in the storage and gave away the rest, packed up our SUV, pulled the kids out of school and said, bye. And we just started traveling. We had no plan. Like guys, there was nothing planned. I didn't even, like, I left my cushy salary. I didn't have a lot of savings, but we had enough. And I started doing stuff online. So I had a little bit of money coming in and we're like, well, you know, how long can we potentially sustain this? We're like, you know what? I think we could go for a bit. We, we just kept figuring it out as we went and, uh, you know, traveled around North America and then eventually went over to Southeast Asia. Um, we, we ended up living in Bali for two and a half years. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then came back here so our kids could finish high school in Vancouver. And uh, so we moved back here right before the pandemic, actually. So it was interesting how the timing worked out. Um, but over that five-year period, we were just experiencing life. You know, the kids were, were um, as we say, uh, life schooled. And because uh, mm-hmm. we realized that mom and dad are not very good teachers, at least when it comes <laughs> to academics. Uh, I'm, that's why I'm not a teacher. I was like, no way, man. Um, I was like, if you guys want to still love me, I better not be your teacher when it comes to math and all this stuff, because uh, it's not me. Oh, yeah. And, no, I, I yeah. understand that completely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> My nephews come up to me. Well, uncle, how do you do this? And it's a math problem. And I'm just like, the 
fuck is that? <laughs> Are you not paying attention or what? <laughs> I can't te- I can't show you how to do everything, guys. Come on. Right? When really I have no idea how the fuck to do it. <laughs> I just tell them, hey, University of YouTube, hello. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No kidding, right? You guys have the internet. We didn't, all right? So yeah, you know. figure it out. Isn't there no, an app? You don't have to ask that? me a question anymore. But, just uh, Google anyways, it. That's what happened. That's what happened. And yeah. uh, we traveled for five years, lots of cool experiences. And, and during that time, I just sort of, refine my own businesses online. And, and that's what I do now. You know, I, I, awesome. I work online mainly. So yeah. How that's did your awesome. kids acclimate to the five-year traveling? Were they, they down? Were, were they bummed? You know, they, they were pretty solid. Uh, there was a bit of qualms when they became teens yeah. and young teens. Uh, there was a little bit of the FOMO because they had friends yeah. that they were still connected to back here that were now going into high school. Right. And, and so they, they wanted a high school experience. I mean, living in Bali, we went, they, we had these education centers cause you have to work around, uh, uh, like if you don't actually have certain permits, uh, you, you know, it, anyways, that's another conversation, but, uh, we had to sort of play within the system, so to speak. So they, they were getting some education or some support when we made the commitment to come back. We wanted to at least get their education back on track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we found a learning center and, and they got uh, basically six months of condensed tutoring. Then we came back to Canada and uh, they jumped right back into what grade they would normally be and off we went. But there was a period there that it was challenging for the kids. And it was, oh, only because it was the social piece though. That was it. For it sure, wasn't, yeah. Believe me, they didn't really care to go to school, but they wanted the social piece that came with school. And uh, and we wanted to honor that. So here we are. I want to get into kind of daily practices for you that I think would be awesome to share. I have to ask about the silent meditation retreat in Thailand and people. I mean, I, I could preface this anyway, but you literally spent a day, like the whole day. I don't mean like, oh, we go to work for eight hours and we get a maybe half an hour, hour lunch break. No, you spent a day like 5 a.m. till what was it like 10, 9, 10 at night? Like nine no coffee, night. no nothing. 10 days of that. Jeez, your head would explode if that were to happen. <laughs> Guys, I'll tell you right now. I could learn a lot. There is nothing louder in the world than your own voice inside your head. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I can imagine. It was insane. Like it, it was pretty intense, um, even though I wasn't doing anything, but it's amazing what starts to manifest in the body, like aches and pains that weren't really there, but just my body, like basically boycotting what I was doing, you know, boycotting, sitting there and meditating, trying to clear my mind. Like it was, it was just really interesting to start to notice how uncomfortable I really was. And right. The first few days, you know, of a, of a passion of meditation um, and, you know, the way they do this, they have these meditation centers all around the world. You just go to vipassana.org and uh, V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A.org. Anyways, if, if, don't worry, Google will correct you, uh, but you check it out and it's cool because it's all nonprofit. It's all by mm-hmm. donation. Mm. So even the people that facilitate these courses or 10 day courses, it's all volunteer driven. Um, which is really nice too, because it's completely accessible. They, they don't want dollars and cents to get in the way from people experiencing this. And they're all over the world. They're all over the States, Canada, like every country's got one pretty much. And so you go online, you register to do this, you show up at this meditation center and you, you basically segregate the men and the women. You know, the guys go down one side, women go down the other side. I, I saw this uh, uh, 
this little Asian couple, right? They, they, they look like, cause I ended up doing mine in Thailand, just outside of Bangkok. And uh, this older couple, like they must've been in their eighties or nineties. And it was so cute. They got off the bus holding hands. They looked at each other, kissed each other. And then they went their separate ways and, you know, they wouldn't see each other for 11 days. <laughs> like it was, it was cool, but it was like, they knew this. It was like, it was ritual for them, like an annual thing. And uh, so you go off here and they do a quick orientation. And then you take this, this vow of silence for the next 10 days. And you only eat one meal a day. It's only vegetarian based. And uh, outside of that, you're, you're pretty much meditating. Like that's it. You know, they have fixed meditation times. And outside of that, you're just working on, you know, what's going on inside. And uh, it was hard, you know, it was really, really hard. And um, after about day five, day six, things got a bit easier. You, you end up working through a lot. I don't want to give anybody else false impression of what it was like. Cause again, I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, I, I encourage people to try it. Like you got nothing to lose and only so much to gain. But when you go into a controlled environment like that, and you, you really create the space to learn to meditate. And I mean, really meditate, take that, that reflection time inward and go exploring inward. A lot of things are going to come up. And, and that's right on my alley. I don't talk that much. I'm an introvert. You only see your chick once every 11 days. I'm a vegetarian. I'm all about it. Dude, no, Mike, seriously, you should look it up. Like it, it is, it's a phenomenal experience and, uh, but it, it's not easy. And, and in particular, you know, so here's this, there was about 40 of us men in the, on the, the male side of the meditation, you know, um, center. And uh, I remember they had the 40 pillows in the meditation hall and you'd come in and you'd situate on a pillow and that's basically your pillow for the next 10 days. Mm-hmm. So day one, it was great. You got about 40 of us there. Day two, oh, there's three empty pillows. <laughs> day three, oh, there's like eight empty pillows. And, and so what was happening was guys were falling off and leaving. Like it was just that challenge. By the time we got to the end of it, I think there's only about half of us left, you wow. know, that had started the 10 days together. And uh, I also realized, because you don't get a chance to meet these people beforehand, and there were some people from all over the different places around the world, as well as uh, a number of Thai people and and people from other countries, uh, but didn't have a chance to talk or get to know any of them. But you you see them throughout for the 10 days. I didn't get that. Shut up, sir. Uh, Anyway, so, (laughs) you know, and here's the, the interesting thing. What I really took away from this is that I realized I am so quick to judge and make up stories about people when I first see them. Sure, yeah. I, I just I became so aware of that habit and we all have it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. It's just, I mean, we get 60 to 80,000 thoughts going through our head a day. You got to figure out how to categorize that. And you can't be sitting there thinking, Oh yeah, there's that one. Okay. There. Uh, I mean, think about it. We, we would just basically sit on the toilet all day like <laughs> thinking, um, but, but here's the thing. I, I realized how quick I was to judge people. Like I'd, I'd see them and I've watched these people and I make up stories about the kind of people that I thought they were. And then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of 10 days on day 11, you know, they, they remove the vow of silence. You finally get an opportunity to talk to everybody and get to know them uh, for that next morning. And I realized I had it all wrong for pretty much every guy there. <laughs> you know? like completely wrong. Oh, that's awesome. That was just a wonderful lesson and a reminder, you know, is that, gosh, it, it, there's a lot of biases that we put on to other people without even knowing it. Yeah. And yep. uh, so, yeah, yep. that, that was, you know, a 10 day meditation experience. And uh, I, I encourage you guys, if you get a chance, try it, man. Yeah, it's, no, uh, all jokes aside, that does sound pretty yeah. cleansing and intensive. 
Yeah, it is I, would think, I would think being that the only thing that you are hearing is your own voice. And especially if you're someone, me, many people probably listening, your negative voice is the loudest voice you hear. So you're going to have to confront and deal with that. Yeah, you, you will like, and especially the, just even the breath work, like there's so much to breath work and, you know, I'm not going to go into all the health side of things of meditation, but you know, our nervous system is made up of parasympathetic and sympathetic. Okay. Mm. And so we have like the fight and flight side of life. And most of us spend a lot of time there more mm. time than we should. Right. And, and it creates a whole lot of other stress for us, you know, chronic stress, yeah, which has a lot of negative repercussions. And so when you're looking to make big changes, especially removing something that might've been there to mask certain things. And you're already in a heightened state of stress. And that's what you believe has been actually helping with the stress. It's important to replace that habit with something that might be a bit more constructive and and a little bit healthier as well as sustainable. (laughs) And and I got to say, meditation was one of those things that really, really helped me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have the the passion of style meditation, but I always did meditate. I, 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 well, at least I became a more active meditator or frequent meditator when I removed alcohol. Cause I knew that that breath work was important. I, I knew that it would have a positive effect on, on calming my nerves and just for clearing my mind, you know, mm. getting rid of a lot of the chatter. It's not easy, but it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. You know, there's free apps out there. My favorite ones insight timer. I'm not affiliated by the way, but I love the app. And, uh, cause I know a lot of people like calm or headspace, but, yeah. but, but those are the, you know, they cost money if you want to get all the features insight timers free. And, uh, that's why I always endorse that one. But anybody that wants to just start doing some meditations, grab insight timer, just pick one, pick a five minute guided meditation. Just, just start, just start practicing. Cause as soon as you experience it and you really feel the effects, whew, game changer, game yeah. changer, you know? So if there's one thing I can be like, I hope you leave this, you know, today's, uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, I guess just start meditating, my man, start meditating, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been trying to, to do it, but I'll check out that app and then I'll message yeah. you and let you know how it's going. Please, so, please do. Before we get to the random questions and leave you with the uh, final thoughts, if people want to know more about you, what you're doing, your work, uh, how can they find you? How can they get a hold of you, Diane? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, I love having conversations with people. I just do, as you guys already realize. And uh, living with three women, anytime I get a chance to have the mic in front of me, I'll take it. Because uh, <laughs> I don't get it that often. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm most active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay. So just if you can type my name, don't worry, it'll autocorrect most of the time, like it'll just shoot because it's just such an interesting and different name. Uh, Die is Welsh for David. Manuel is Portuguese. I know uh-huh. I sold you. I'm Canadian. It's all good. <laughs> and, uh, but if you type in diamond, well, you'll find me, send me a message, just, just, just start a conversation. And if there's anything I could support you with, I'd love to have the opportunity. And then if you have a chance, go to my blog, uh, my website at diamondwell.com. Uh, there's about 1800 articles. I've been blogging for 14 years it's all geared around helping people get more out of life. That's all, you know, that's all it is. It's all health and wellness and mindset based stuff. And uh, it's all free. It's all accessible. Just dive in. Hopefully you'll find something that helps. And uh, if not, let me know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll point you in the right direction either way. Awesome. Perfect. Heck yeah. yeah. Mikey, you want to kick it off? Let's do it. So these are just some fun, random questions. Yeah. Have fun with it. Um, if you could have dinner with anybody you wanted living or not, who would it be? You know, I'd really love to have dinner with the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. Like, 
what a fascinating life. You know, mm-hmm. I won't go into too much on the, the I don't know how my, should I keep the answer short? Very short. We're on to the okay. next. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just Dalai kidding. Lama. <laughs> Dalai, no, Dalai Lama. Lama would be my answer. I, I would love to pick that person's brain, you know, pick his brain and just what an interesting life, but it just, just, just the depth of internal and self-wisdom. Sure. Right. Yeah, like I, I would love to just, just get around that energy really more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Being that you and I are both superhero fans. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, I actually like to believe that, well, you know, and I'll, I'll give my real answer here. You know, the, the superpower I truly believe that I do have is the ability to empathize with others. Mm-hmm. I've been through a lot, morbidly obese as a teenager. I live with a chronic autoimmune disease, dealt with alcohol abuse. You know, I have dealt with some, some pretty sad deaths in my life and uh, I've had a lot of lessons, you know, and, and so that doesn't matter the person that I meet and the challenges that they're dealing with. I, I, I get them. Yeah, and I think it's important for us to have that feeling, you know, to to just know that there's people out there that understand and and and, and get where we're at, you know, yeah. can meet us there, meet us where we're yeah, starting, yeah. and uh, so that's you know I, I truly believe it's my superpower. Yeah. That's incredible, boy. Well, it's all that share right there. We 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 easily like six months a year down the road, part two with you because it seems there's a lot more knowledge and things to share for sure. Absolutely, uh, Mikey. Um, if they were to make a movie about you. Who would you cast to play you? <laughs> Woo! Oh man, that's a great question. You know what? I I am uh, uh, I love Chris Hemsworth, like a total bro crush, man. I would be all over <laughs> that dude. If he called me up and said, "Hey, you want to go on a date?" I'd be like, "I'm there, man." <laughs> I get it. I got the same bro crush with Johnny Depp. Everything oh! he does is just fucking cool. He's oh, just yes. cool to me. Yeah. I love Hemworth though, like his attitude and his energy, but also his commitment to his own health. I just respect that so much. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't know. Did you hear he got like, he's been casted to be Hulk Hogan. Oh brother. And, I knew this a while back. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't know that. I just heard that. I was like, yeah. yes, that's awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a big that. pro wrestling. I was going to say, I'm oh, sure you knew that. Yeah. yeah I actually uh, worked in the business for two years. So what? No way. commentator, TV commentator for a oh, company so here cool. in California. Yeah. That is the uh-huh. coolest. I wrestled, just not professionally. <laughs> <laughs> I knew my friends were just the beating time. the shit out of each other with chairs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I gotta ask uh, top three favorite superheroes. Gotta know. Yeah, I, I'm still really. I, I love Spider Man. I'm a big fan, and uh, I also love Wolverine. Uh, I think Wolverine's just a, a really cool character. Oh, but if I have to pick a third, you know, I I, I know Superman's kind of the cliche. Everyone references Superman, but I I always did like Superman. But I wouldn't say he's my favorite. I, I don't know if you follow any of the new Spider Man, but uh, Miles Morales. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate where they're going and that introduction of that character. Like, I just, it's just, it's good to see some diversification. It's not all just straight white guys, you know? Yeah. Like, and also, you know, Marvel's brought out a whole Pride series yeah. and, uh, and Voices Pride. And it's really cool. They've introduced all these uh, just just new and, and more gender fluid characters. Yeah, sure. Um, but if I had to go with a bad guy, Loki. I love Loki. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> you like uh, the shit stir. I see. Oh, it. God, I love it, man. I just love the, the, the yeah. I, 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 but even like they, they've casted the perfect guy for that. I mean, I just, okay. I couldn't, like, if you read the comics and you see how he is in the comics, I, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, a, it's a really well casted role. Absolutely nailed it. 
Yeah. Uh, Mikey, anything else? Or, I, I have uh, no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> I, 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 I have one more random question, just totally random. Top three favorite bands. Well, yeah, I, I guess, you know, my number one, just because of the nostalgia piece of it, and it, it means something to me, is, is Tragically Hip. Okay. Oh, right on. It's a Canadian band, and yeah. uh, just absolutely, uh, yeah, I adore it. But it's also, when I was 14 and at my largest, and I started exercising, I was listening to Up to Here, the album, a mm, lot. Right. But also Alice in Chains. Oh, okay. And, and so I've got this really strong connection to those two bands, just because of that change that I went through, and, and they were part of it, you know? Yeah, no, um, for sure. And then, you know, but to be, it's not in band per se, but Chet Baker, I, I love all his old classic work and his trumpet work and uh, even his, his, his vocals, right? Like if anybody knows Chet Baker, just go to listen to him on Spotify and uh, it's just, it's just really quality music, you know? Yeah. So right jazz. I'm a big jazz fan. So yeah, I say must be a jazz guy there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Jazz guy. Yeah. <laughs> jazz guy yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I he plays the jazz flute. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, this is your time uh, to to leave the listeners with some some final thoughts, some wisdom, and anything else you'd like to share. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to share something that somebody far wiser than me ever said, and it was said about uh, I guess maybe 2,600 years ago. The guy's name was Buddha, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and he said that you know there's one thing that we know for absolute certainty in life, and that's that nothing stays the same. Everything is in a state of change. And, and I, I really love that. And I value that because, you know, it's when we lock on to things, you know, th th this idea of we don't want things to change is usually when we welcome in suffering. Yeah. We welcome in the opportunity for disappointment or the fear of loss. So it reminds me, you know, when I think about that and I really think about it, it's like, you know, being fully present right now, not thinking about things that may become you know, <laughs> things in the future that will probably never happen the way that I imagine it or, or worry about things that I can't change anymore, but being present right now, because he said this too shall pass, you know? So when you are having those challenging times, don't worry, it will pass. It will change. It, it can change, but, but here's the thing. And I'm going to leave it at this. When he says this too shall pass, he's also referring to the amazing things in our lives. All those good things that happen, all those little moments where we feel immense gratitude and thankfulness for the, the cool stuff we have in our lives, the cool friends that we have, cool podcasts like this one we get to listen to. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's those good things in life. They also will pass. Don't be upset about that. Cherish it for what it was and, and, and experience it fully right now. So that's all I can leave with you, you know, but uh, don't take my word for it. Take Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> die man this has been uh cool great thank talk man thank you good sir thank you guys i really love what you guys are doing honestly and i'm sure you don't get this enough but you should uh you know we need more of this in the world we really mm -hmm. do and thank you guys for leading the charge but more importantly leading this conversation and showing people what's possible what's possible if we just open up and, and be willing to to accept that yeah I can be a champion of change too. I don't have to be a victim of one. And, and that's really what I feel you guys are embodying. So, so thanks for the opportunity today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate you, man. You see, guests don't get me emotional, but <laughs> doing it. Die manual. Great freaking guy. You know, those Canadians are super sweet. They really are. They're they, just a delight. They always are. We've had four or five guests that were Canadian on as of now. Not saying the other guests aren't sweet, but they're always just so damn pleasant. They really are. They really are. Thanks but, for uh, your time, Di. 
Don't forget to uh, check out the link in the podcast description for more on Die. And maybe you are going through some struggles. He does have different programs and free material all over his website that he shares for things that he's used to uh, find his path to success, as well as helping individuals and organizations. So go there. A lot of free resources, and he does have some other options, too. So thank you again, Die. We appreciate you, man. Absolutely. If you're listening to Knocking Doors Down for the first time, don't forget to go back and check out some great episodes in the archives. Uncle Mikey, we've talked to Charlie Sheen twice. Twice, that's right. As well as Kat Von D. Caitlyn Jenner. Legendary professional wrestler, woo, Ric Flair. Kurt Angle. Everybody loves Terminator 2, Edward Furlong. And Mike the Situation. And so much more. Again, subscribe to the podcast now. Go back and check out those episodes and let us know what you think. Uncle Mikey. Jason. You got anything else? Mm. No, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knockin' Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.